Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. Rosie Cutter is a musician, world traveler, and advisor who has explored palmistry, numerology, human design, and the destiny card system based on the classic playing card deck, astrology, and numerology. She shares her perspective with us on the cosmic patterns that connect us all, the possibility of forecasting conditions in our lives, and what she sees about human nature, empowerment, and the current collective events and mindset. With the vibrant style of an entertainer, she delivers her unique awareness with humor and vitality. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, thanks for joining us today, Rosie. It's great to have you here. To start with, I'm wondering how you got to the point where you began working with multiple systems and developed practice that you have with clients. I know you do a lot of readings and a lot of sessions with people. So how did how did you get here? Trying to figure out my own messed up life. Um, <laughs> uh, I was adopted and my parents who adopted me, really cool, really into psychics and fun stuff like that. Like we'd go get our palms read and different things. So my first love was palm reading. And then what, I got a reading from an astrologer, maybe as a teenager, and they were like, hey, you, you, you know, you never met your mother. And I'm like, well, how can they know this for my birthday? This is fascinating. Plus, anytime any astrologer ever looked at my chart, they would be like, Whoa! like what? What does it mean? Why are you making this face? So um, I was already intrigued, but Western astrology is very dense and the wording and the language so I didn't dive super deep into that as much, but I understood this sort of scorpionic Pluto death and rebirth and how intense my chart was, was full of oppositions. So then when I was about 20, I got flown to Kauai to do speech therapy with autistic children. And um, there was this lady in Kauai named Milana, and she was good friends with Robert Camp too, who wrote the Love Card, Destiny Card books. And uh, she was giving these readings outside the old Blossoming Lotus there, that awesome raw food place. And it was based on this different system, just a birthday. So I was like, oh, of course I want to get a reading. And it said I was a queen of clubs, which of course I loved. I'm like, yes, I knew it. And it also talked about difficult childhood, things happening at ages three and four that can kind of change the outlook. And it also said a couple of times that I'd be really talented around music, which is a side note. So I got a reading from her and I was there to do my contract with the autistic kids. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, hike Nepali, do this. And then I'm going to go to Europe and travel, blah, blah. She's like, no, you're not. You're going to stay here and you're going to be working really hard, (laughs) making money. I was like, really? And then I ended up securing a lease on one of the only long-term rentals in Hanalei Bay because it's mostly like $30 million mansions. So I had this house at 20 all of a sudden and I started living in Kauai for all my twenties, Milana became my teacher. She showed me tons about the destiny card system. And I started doing it for all my friends and all the guys I'm dating X, Y, Z. And then also around the same time I started playing music mostly because it said I'd be really good at music. Johnny Cash is a queen of clubs and share and body rates. And it said that it would be a good, healthy, emotional steam valve, right? Even if you're not going to do it professionally, but I became a professional musician and I played with members of the Grateful Dead, Darby Slick, who started Jefferson Airplane. I went on to live in Ibiza, perform full-time, study in Brazil for many years, Bossa Nova. I became fluent in Portuguese, studied jazz. I became a very successful musician. And I used the astrology as well to navigate where to go, who to work with. And in the same time of me studying the destiny card system, 
it kind of allowed me to understand the archetypes of numerology and astrology. So when I started to go back to astrology, it made a hell of a lot more sense. I would recommend the destiny card system for anybody. It's like a great way for people to get into this sort of world. And then at the same time, there was a huge human design movement happening in Kauai. And I, so I got into my design and then it really led me into like creative role model and artist in the now channel of awakening. And it really made a lot of sense. And boom, Ross suddenly died unexpectedly. And I sold all my stuff and moved to Ibiza because my partner at the time was a had studied with Ra for 10 years. And he would also go to Ibiza all the time anyway to do music and stuff. So then I got to go and be there with Ambuja and the kids. And, you know, the kids got me gigs and hotels and stuff. And I basically got to immerse myself and hear all these fantastic stories about Ra and everything too. And right around that time, about 10 years ago it was, Skype started happening. And so I'd already been giving some readings, maybe couple hundred a year. And then when I left Kauai, people were like, Hey, I wanted to get another reading. That stuff you said came true. And it like clicked in my brain. I was like, I can do it over Skype and you can send me money and we can record it. And boom, it changed my whole life. So I was doing music, but it was definitely wonderful to start really doing internet readings, not needing to be there in person. And like a snowball, you know, I'm across the unexpected and queen of clubs is like a workaholic. It just kept coming and coming and coming. And I remember in the beginning, I'd be like, well, I don't want to like say no, because what if it ever stops? But it never stopped. Like you guys know, the transits can show us a weather forecast. So it's not like, oh, this is going to happen. But it's more like, hey, there's the tree well. Don't fall down it. And so over time, as you know, the readings and the systems are accurate. And then people would buy them for their friends. And it just kind of exploded. So I've done more than a thousand readings a year for the last six years. Wow. And 80% of my clients have never met me in person. And then I go and travel around or do big events in Beverly Hills or Europe and stuff like that. And then I get to meet them for the first time in person, which is also very fun. Uh, a lot of people here at Aspen, one of my clients, that's part of the reason I live here. It just became this crazy thing. And it's so accurate. Like I've definitely drunk the Kool-Aid because other people are like, Rosie, do you really believe in this? I'm like, dude. I mean, I, I do a thousand readings a year. Every single one's recorded. I don't even know it. We don't even realize. And then they go back and they're like, oh my God, that thing you said came true. But we didn't even realize what it really was. So uh, it's an amazing thing. And it's very strange, right? Very unexpected <laughs> for me. You're like, what do you do? I'm like, no, I'm actually a professional astrologer. And people fly me around on jets to go predict their babies and handle their businesses. <laughs> so it's fun. <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> I have to ask, what do you think is going on here that these systems are so accurate? The destiny card system, human design, what is that showing us or telling us? When you start to see the resonance of the human design totally lining up with somebody's Western chart, totally also lining up with their destiny cards, even in the way they describe the personality traits, I think obviously we're all made of this greater pattern. I mean, even down to the molecules and minerals that our bodies are made out of, it's kind of the same as everything else. So, you know, we're all skiing down the same mountain. You know, whether you're miserable that day or in shape or a good skier or not depends on your ride, but it's kind of the same ride. And I think people have a hard time too with this thing of like, oh, but that means everything's predestined. There's no free will. It's not like that. It's a weather forecast. I can be sitting here right now in my ski gear, sweating my ass off, pissed. There's just no snow. Right? I can have my intention that I want to ski. Well, guess what, baby? There's no snow. <laughs> then I have to be smart enough to be paying attention to the weather 
so that when the snow comes, I'm ready. And when the snow does come, five foot of powder, if you're ready and you have gear and you're strong and you've been training, can be the best day of your life. If I take Amy Winehouse strung out on heroin and drop her in the back country in five foot of powder, she's literally going to die in the same exact circumstance. So I think that people are very arrogant in the way that they think, yes, we have free will down to a certain extent, but hey, if I drop you off in the tundra and it's negative 20 degrees, you're dying, baby. There are external circumstances that affect you. Just like surfing, you can be there, but you have to constantly triangulate because the ocean is always trying to push you into the zone you do not want to be in. And I think people get real frustrated. They're like, I have all these good intentions and why is my life better and X, Y, Z. And part of the reason is because they're not working with the weather patterns. They're blindly, as we see in human design, initiating, frustrated, creating all kinds of garbaggio lives. And then they get it. And then they go, this isn't what I thought it would be. I have to start over and throw it away. That's why the world is full of landfills, unwanted children and bad career choices. Obviously, creation is not the issue. These are obviously ancient systems. I mean, they've been used forever. They used to plan births of royals. And I think there's something to it. And probably more of the powerful people in the world use these systems in one form or another, even Kabbalah and things like that. I mean, if we're going to play instruments, they're tuned to a certain frequency. And I think that astrology and these human designs can show us how to tune into the right frequency so we're not living a dissonant life, which I think most people are, unfortunately. Right. It might be said in human design that the program is the program. You can't change the program. We're looking at aspects of the program, either through the destiny card system or through the astrological transits that we're seeing or certainly human design. So where do you see the agency or choice coming in to any of this, if at all? Well, there is choice. Well, yeah, I know Rob would always say there's no choice. But like the program is the program, just like your body's the program. Maybe sure there's some enlightened bodhisattvas that go and meditate and suddenly leave the body at will. Otherwise, one day your body's running your program and it's gonna die. And it doesn't matter how enlightened you are. We are in the program of being imprisoned in the flesh. So there's free will as to what comes out of your mouth and what you put in it, what you choose to do with your body. It's like the fish not realizing they're in the water. It's funny that it's even that, that it's even something that we try to mentally wrap our minds around because of course there's free will to the extent that you can control what you're doing with your body and XYZ and then suddenly a giant boulder can come down and smash you. And I mean, was that because your free will walked you to that exact moment? Like they say in those, you know, hidden Buddhist ones that there's a moon transit. Remember th three months before you die, there's a certain thing that they say happens in the moon. Yeah. And you can yeah. predict somebody's death with that. I mean, so is there a choice then if you look at it that way? Like maybe, I don't know, you know? But yeah, people have a big, they get all uptight in their panties about the idea that there's no frugal or choice. <laughs> but it's funny, then they have no problem like following every other rule of every other bullshit program that enslaves them. <laughs> I have a question because I use human design the way a lot of people teach and use human design. It's actually not so much in the predictive realm. But now looking at the cards and I've experimented with it a little bit and it does seem like there really is something to it. I would imagine that doing as much work as you do, that people over time start to, they actually go the other way. They probably go the other way where they're like, tell me what my cards are, what's going to happen and what do I have to do? And they can really go into like, they have to consult the cards and the astrology before they do anything. Do you find that you have to, I'm, I just wonder if you're in the role of like balancing people in terms of well, sure, that. sure. I think people can get a little more addicted to like 
let's deal a deck and do the tarot and ask questions. I think that can be a bit more addicting. I do have people who come to me for business stuff for on a, on a much more regular basis to try to see little things. But also part of the reason is because we have been successful in the past, but I, I am aware, like, you know, sometimes I hate to say, but I have certain clients and it's like, dude, I'm not here to just look up every stupid new guy you meet because if you're <laughs> operating incorrectly, these readings are a waste of my breath because you're going to keep manifesting the same lesson over and over. Like it's good to look into it. And I love doing compatibility and it's some of the most fun things because a lot of it can be very heavy. Yeah. Every now and then it's kind of like, this isn't the best use of what we really need to look at is your North node and your Venus and your Pluto and see why you're still attracting these types of people mm -hmm. as opposed to constantly wanting to look up somebody new. I had that more too back in the day because I'm pure individual in human design. And like, I'm like, no wonder I never gave a fuck. It makes perfect sense. You know, <laughs> like what is it about human design that was unique or that was really impactful for you in terms of like what you recognized about yourself through it? It's so, it's so amazing too, because you know, those things where even in a Western transit, like it's a chemical or an internal change. Like, you know, you go mm -hmm. through puberty and because you went through the chemical change, you go through an emotional change. When I saw my design, first of all, my partner at the time was a reflector. So that was very interesting. He was huge into design. So he taught me so much. Me seeing all my individual channels, open root, open head, open spleen, open emotion. I had this house in Hanalei Bay, constantly have people around, want to be tribal, tribal, tribal all the time. And it would drive me crazy. I wasn't getting enough time alone. So that was the first residency of like, oh, I'm actually supposed to be kind of living by myself or have more time alone. Then the creative role model thing was like, I was like, yes, this is the best channel. And it allowed me to really embrace that. And also like sticking out, being a weirdo as a... I was always kind of weirdo anyway, but I still would have, you know, realizing the difference of the tribe and the collective. Also, the emotional solar plexus, being open emotional was a huge mm -hmm. opening. Mm -hmm. But the main thing is that when you see your design, like all those white open centers, even Ra would say, you, you don't ever have to do anything with it ever again. Your body starts to decondition. Mm -hmm. And I've been in the design for 10 years now. And it changes the way that I do things and it changes the way that I experience it, I guess, is what I would say, where I still have the open head and the pressure to know, but it's not an obsession. It's actually fun. I don't hold on to things mentally. I get away from people if they're at the low end of the wave emotionally and know what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. And it really freed me to be who I really, really, truly was. The, also, the 2343, the genius freak, made so much sense. So that really helped in music as well as readings and just waiting to be introduced. At, you know, yeah, because they either think I'm a genius or they can't understand a word I'm saying. Now that I'm so many years into it, it's like I'm so thankful because like that sort of thing where you go through puberty or something physically happens mm -hmm. and then you emotionally change. It's so linked to these cycles, you know, I mean, the way I do my business, like let's say I need a new place to live. I go to my projector girlfriend. I say, this is what I'm looking for. X, Y, Z. I don't waste my time. I don't beat the streets. She went and found something for me. I thought I wanted to live up on the mountain right? Open hand. But I'm now I'm like, I don't know what I wanted. I don't know what I think either. So I told her I'd like this, this, and this. She finds this place for me. 
right on the river. My bed looks at the river. It's right next to the mountain, but I would never have anything like this on the mountain. It'd be like $17,000. I'm like, wait a minute. No, and I don't want to live on the mountain. I don't want everybody coming by at happy hour. So all of a sudden she presents me with something that's more perfect than anything I could have ever understood. And that's the beauty of the design. Like I'm mm-hmm. open to that. I lived in Kauai for all, all these years and everybody's so cool. They go all international, blah, blah, blah. But I had to stay there and maintain the situation. And so I always dreamed about going to Europe. Europe, Europe, Europe. I had these ideas in my head. I want to go to Europe. And so I got to go to Europe. Rod died, I went to Europe. But my ex was like, oh, we should go to Brazil. And I'm like, Brazil? Brazil's full of like favelas and anaconda snakes and super sketchy. Because why? <laughs> I've watched a couple things on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> he's like, no, I've been to Brazil. I go there all the time. I do these big shows. I'll take you down. <clears throat> so, across the unexpected, I'm going to Brazil, living there, learning jazz and bossa nova, which is probably one of the greatest musical forms ever, making more money in Brazil in what I had considered a poor country because they were on this huge ep- economic upswing, where they, which is what they do. They inflated the ray eye. It was two to one when I was living there. It went from seven to one to two to one. So they were flooding the streets, tons of money. And what I thought was a poor country. And I had all these unexpected surprises that enriched my life. And if I had just left it to my mind's decision, because I thought Brazil was a certain way, I would have never gone there. And that's what most people's lives are like. They're shortchanging themselves tremendously. Yeah. So human design is like, I always tell people, it doesn't matter what the, what the future holds. If you're making its decisions incorrectly, it's like you're standing there at the bar talking about how you used to be a great skier, but you don't ski no more, you know, because people mm-hmm. are in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been the, basically the greatest gift ever. And it's once again, running so many charts. I'm like, this is so accurate. It's unbelievably accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, the people tell me it's, I show them, I'm reading it from a book. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm intuiting this, you know? <laughs> so it's very, yeah, very, very, very special. And yeah, now that I'm in the design, I would say to open root, open head, that pressure has dissipated a lot. Yeah. I don't advertise. I mean, I don't do anything anymore. Like I don't, you know, I don't, I don't beat the streets. I don't have to go no. get, get, it comes, I, it comes I, to you. well, also too. And I'm busy doing what I love. And I tell people, this is what I do. Hey, I'm a musician, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Let me know. But it's, it's, I used to spend so much time running around trying to do everything as fast as possible. Also, I have the 14 too. And a lock would be like, Rosie, don't worry. You're going to get discovered, you know, but you, it, you, you can't chase after your destiny, you know, and, and as a musician or artist, right. You're always like, oh, I got to, but that whole pressure has gone now. It's so much better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would just say, yeah, I enjoy being in my head and in my body a lot more, which is, I think what most people struggle with, you know, mm-hmm. you can have a great mm-hmm. successful life, but man, it's like the demon in our minds. So yeah, it's been pretty much the greatest gift ever. And it really does help people way. I think the predictive side of Western astrology and the destiny cards in my practice is further enhanced because I'm introducing people to their design and I'm giving them a few tools at least. Hey, we need to get a new house, open G center. How about we try it like this? And then they do end up with the house of their dreams instead of once again, chasing after being in the wrong place and nothing's working. And then we got to move again and spend a bunch of money. And it's helped me so much in understanding relationships yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Can I ask you more about that? Cause I'm thinking, I'm looking at your design right now and I'm seeing all the individuality. I'm, I'm a pure individual also as is John. I'm just thinking about all of this sacral generator women that I know and just the raw power that I see in so many of them. 
and the clarity of that response, how strong and clear it can be and uncompromising and how, <laughs> how antithetical that is to all the gender programming and conditioning and the way, you know, women are taught to be and whatever. I'm right. wondering how you experience that in, re in relationship and how you see well, that play out in relationship. I would say if we called up a bunch of my exes right now, uncompromising <laughs> might be at the top of the list. <laughs> the emotional wave thing was really good because of course I've distorted the emotional wave of people my whole life and bounced up and down off it. So, you know, and I always love my juicy emotional friends and lovers, mm -hmm. um, but it really helped me enjoy that and be in that. Uh, but yes, a lot of volatility. Also, I mean, queen of clubs, it's like this card has the most difficult emotional relationships in the deck as the like, most unmarriageable. It is so funny. I was like, great. Okay. And that didn't mean that I didn't throw myself head first with the 36 gate in the 40, 41 and my son into all kinds of situations. Um, and I could see it coming too. I mean, I would see in the astrology, but I still don't do it. And it was great. It's all an experiment. But I would say it's helped a lot for me to realize I've spent a lot of my life living with people, whether it was roommates, partners, usually I get with a partner and then boom, we're traveling the world or we're living together. Then I realized my one three, that need for space, create a lot of conflict or do things so that I could create the space or have my own time. So now I'm, I'm really happy living on my own. You know, mm -hmm. and even if I go spend lots of time with other people, especially with the work that I do as well, I just need that downtime. I need that alone time. The individual needs it to integrate even. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I like road trips so much because I go and I spend time driving and I'm integrating and I have artificial shores, but I'm still trying to figure out relationship. But I do go my own way. I'm always the one that leaves usually, you know, 14 mm -hmm. two, and I have all this weird freakiness in my environment. So that can be something that's interesting. I keep my work and personal life pretty separate. I think that's kind of the way it works. I, I have my freaky weird thing and I'm the artist and the, my relationship will be like playing house and sort of a safe grounded 27th mm -hmm. gate, find some nice things to take care of bunnies and plants. And it makes a lot of sense to me in all my relationships, probably too, as for you guys with that individuality, a lot of what I find in counseling people is to break a toxic tribal ties and family, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so for me, I feel like it's easy. Like, actually, I really don't need people in the same way. Like I am better. I am, you know, integrated into my own, but I think that that's probably hard for men to, maybe I don't need a guy as much in certain ways, or they feel that right. Is that what you mm -hmm. would think? Now that I realize the alone time, I think I can do healthier relationships but yeah, before it was just like you go and we spend all our time together. And now mm -hmm. I realize why that doesn't work for me, even in friendships. Like I'm like, I had to just have such better boundaries of like, no, I'm not going to go out tonight, even though there's this fabulous party and all this great stuff happening. Like if I don't get a little bit of alone time, I mean, my design, even the queen of clubs is just like, you ever see Jack Nichol Nicholson in The Shining? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. But yeah, I, and also, I mean, I had an unusual life where I was allowed to be a weirdo and especially going to Kauai. I also lived on Orcas Island. I was an art director of a YMCA camp there when I was 19. And they taught us a lot of like theater therapy and high ropes course and all, all this great stuff. So I was put in a lot of positions that were unique enough that I was allowed to be unique. Mm -hmm. as opposed to mm -hmm. feel like a total outsider. I remember in high school and stuff, like I was with the pop, but I was never fit in. And my genius freak thing too, I'd be like, 
wow, you guys were just talking mad shit about her and now she's come back to the table. And I would literally like say stuff like that out loud <laughs> as a teenager. But I was still on the cheerleading team, you know what I mean? So they had to deal with me. It was so funny. But now everybody's like, Rosie, you're the coolest life ever. But it was, it was pretty, it was intense to have that design in a homogenized suburban place. Yeah. For sure. If I had had music or something, it would have been better, I think. We're talking about your chart, people listening. There have been bits and pieces of it, but you're you're basically a one three sacral generator, forty three twenty three eight one two fourteen, and then the ten twenty. That's the definition. But that individual circuitry is there seems to be this intersection between I would say if I was to keynote it, individual empowerment through your knowing and not knowing. That's very individual. It's a very mutative frequency. And then there's the whole connection to sound and music. And you can see that your life has basically become an expression of that, you know, at least from my point of view. You know, we were talking about the homogenized life versus actually being fully you. To That's what the design allowed me to do. You know, it's almost like I say to people sometimes with the North Node placement, like let's say they're North Nodes in Leo. And I'm like, listen, you know, like if Sid Vicious was trying to fit in with the Beach Boys, he would have totally been misaligned. Instead, he was such a weirdo that he only attracted a bunch of people who reinforced his weirdness. It's almost like an Ellen John thing. Like, and, and music is funny like that, right? Because when you're an artist or any kind of public figure, people almost allow you to like ferment into a more intense version of yourself. And then maybe it's not. Sometimes we can get into a version that we're actually not because of other people's projections. But yes, it really helped me become and embrace it even more to an nth degree. And I worked with kids. I did kids music for years. I would host a lot of shows. Even when I first learned about my design, I was like, I, I need to bring in way better other musicians <laughs> because I was getting these gigs where my skill level wasn't there yet. And so by bringing in the tribe and the right tribe, they empowered me to be the super weirdo in only a place like Kauai, right? Because even in my design, they'd be like, you just need to find the right like community that empowers your freakiness. But that was so great, you know, because if I had been in somewhere else, who knows, you know? Yeah. I find it really inspiring. And I think it's a great thing for people to get to hear just what comes through your frequency because it's so clear. There's such a vitality in you. There's such an empowerment mm -hmm. just that comes through in your, in your frequency and you can feel the energy. I can certainly relate to the ways that it's, it can be really difficult to be an individual. It's, you know, that's the melancholy part. There's this sort of constant backdrop of like, I'm never going to fully fit in maybe with anyone anywhere, not, not all the way. There's always going to be this uniqueness, this difference, something that's, that's very individual to me. To accept that and not compromise it is to have access to power and vitality and empowerment and the capacity to empower other people. I see a lot of sacral generators and especially sacral generator women who have compromised that. And the immediate result of that that I see is a loss of vitality. You can feel it through the frequency and that's a really, that's a painful loss. And especially around children, right? I mean, for yes. you, I would imagine. Because yes. even Bambuja is very individual. And she said to me, you know, she'd be like, you know, Rosie, when, and I'm a night eater and stuff too. And she is, she's like, when you, if you go to have children, this whole rhythm of the individuality, and it's good that you have the knowledge though, because a lot of women or maybe even dads too, 
maybe they have this sort of a design, they don't realize they're beating themselves up. They think I must need to go to another workshop and work on myself more because I just can't, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm, you know, and then it's mm-hmm. like, no, actually you're doing a tremendous job. And it's so important for the individual to mutate and impact. But, mm-hmm. you know, I always say too, with the individuals as well, or a lot of different things in the design can show that, but it's like, hey, you can either be the guru on the mountain or those same people are really quick to like burn you at the stake, <laughs> you know? So the individual has been prosecuted for so long mm-hmm. by being in the wrong tribe or the wrong collective. Mm-hmm. If I go to the number one punk rock bar in LA and sing them jazz, and wonder why they don't like it. It's not the right tribe or the vibe. But once I started playing music full on at 25, it empowered me to also, I don't know what to say, like not kiss other people's asses. So I spent a lot of my life actually being very humble and learning from other people, which I think was good and had life hand my ass to me quite a few times. But then it was, it was good to have that humility and then be able to be in a position where actually, no, I don't need to work. I don't need clients. I don't need, even as music, I don't need to like deal with anybody's bullshit because actually I make my money through a way that empowers me and allows me to express who I am. A lot of compromise in the homogenized world is through work. Like how many times I listen to people and they've got like terrible coworkers that just kind of can ruin your life. And there's no way you would be around that person if you weren't in the office with them. You wouldn't have just met them. So that's another thing that's interesting that's changing with that North Node in cancer, forced everybody to stay at home. The whole work dynamic and stuff is changing, which makes sense towards more individualization in the program backdrop of the whole world, which in a way for me, I'm like, hell yeah, I'd, I would rather not, you know, I think it's better for people to not be forced. I always just be like, what I didn't understand myself as much, but I'd be like, not everybody has to be friends, you know, like, cause everybody wanted to be at my house all the time. And I have all this individual energy and it never stopped, you know, right mm-hmm. there at the beach. And it did, it helped me. Yeah. See how I can position myself so that I can enjoy being with people as opposed to melancholy and totally not self anger and frustration. I can see the, uh, the one, three process coming through as well. You were kind of referring to a certain humility before and, but then building the confidence or the strength through life's lessons, the third line aspect of it. Yeah. And also I have, have that one thing, the second class ticket, which I always thought was funny. And also that's the same thing as the queen of clubs. It's a great thing. To, to have absolutely nothing because then you realize that you're still okay. Mm-hmm. I think you're naming something really powerful, especially for generators, the way that the work is so important, whatever work you do, but it's for the love of the work. It can never really be for money. I mean, the money is the byproduct. No, the money is just, I mean, you we do. trade our time for pieces of paper that mm-hmm. we can trade for something that we consider valuable. Yeah. It's all just, yeah. and also too, I mean, I was thankful to just have an opportunity to have some crappy job somewhere that I could make money and have a mm-hmm. roof over my head. I mean, it's, but I think that's a certain confidence that I have that other people might not as well is sometimes mm-hmm. due to that. And I do see people sometimes disabled from finding their talents 
because of having a financial buffer or an inheritance. But then also it's so mm. funny with the design, like I had a great partner for years and he's, you know, financially independently wealthy, but he had the channel of charisma and he loved to be busy all the time. So it was fantastic. He wasn't disabled from it because he had all this other great stuff going on in his design. But a lot of times I'm like, dude, you know, like you don't realize that you have something special that's valuable in this world. Also, you know, when you never have to like show up and be responsible, I mean, we, I'm sure you guys are working, drugs, alcohol, and addiction. I mean, it's becoming worse and worse and worse and worse. And I even having all these people unemployed and this sort of a thing, like, yeah, like it's, it's much harder to be a drug addict when you have to have responsibilities and, and get sober and go to work every day. It's mm -hmm. easier to fall into this malaise and this, all these Neptune squares are happening. And it's great what you're mentioning. It feels very gate 41 to me, which you both have in your crosses. That limitation is the maximization of potential. Right. What you're saying, like, we can't know sometimes if, if it's just free reign and there's no structure, there's no limit to anything. We don't actually know what we can do or what's in yeah. inside us and what could come out and what we could create. And I even find, especially with generators and stuff too, I'm like, dude, the more busy I am, the more exercise I actually exercise. When you actually have a schedule, you take time out for yourself to do the special things. You know what's funny to me, especially lately, I have so many different people, they're dealing with all these health issues and I'm telling them, hey, you need to sweat five days a week and exercise hard. And they're all generators for the most part. Of course, every non-energy being I know is addicted to exercise. And the looks that people give me, and I know I've been there too, because you feel already guilty because you know you should be moving your body and exercising, but it's like an object in motion stays in motion, an object at rest stays at rest. I'm like, dude, mentally, emotionally, physically, you have to get your lymph going. You have to be exercising. And it's funny to me, the more trippy the world gets and the more the disassociation and the program and the Kali Yuga and artificial intelligence is even more of a need for people to exercise and be in the body. But I get such a pushback. And I'm like, how am I getting a pushback over something that's like the most common sense thing in the world? Mm -hmm. Incredible. Especially for generators. Like, I, I mean, I know I'm manifesting different. When I lived in Kauai, I got to surf all the time, blah, blah, blah. And then when I was traveling, but then when I moved back to America, I was living in Jackson Hole and I started doing a lot of readings, computer work all the time. And it was still like doing yoga and skiing, but it was a different lifestyle. And I gained a lot of weight, you know? And part of the reason I think I gained the weight was doing the readings and and not being grounded and heavy foods, cold stuff, eating, cooking all the time. I'm like, now that I look back and then I got into, you know, I did a hot yoga teacher training and now I like exercise heavily and do stuff all the time. And I'm like, how was my mind even functioning? Like, let alone what we're doing, helping people, but even regular people, like you have electricity in your body. If we plug the phone in to charge it, it's useful. If you drop it in the bathtub, it's destructive. Like, I'm like, are you angry? Are you depressed? Do you need a divorce or do you need more cardio? Do you need to have an affair or do you need to exercise and get back in the body and feel good about yourself anyway, you know? Right. So yeah, there, it's really interesting. I mean, unfortunately, I think people are just going to be leaving the body more and more and more in certain mm -hmm. ways, disassociating. Mm -hmm. People are either getting really healthy or not. I'm wondering if you're seeing this because you're doing so many, you're interacting with so many people that are coming to you for consultation. Given everything that's going on in the world, which we've now started to reference a bunch of times, we're, we're in this crazy time. There's so much happening. I'm wondering what you're seeing in terms of how much people are personalizing 
the yeah. ocean that we're swimming in and how oh, much yeah. and like what what are you seeing in terms of how people, people are, are processing themselves. people are offing themselves yeah. they had in one month in california the amount of suicides they normally had in a year they, they and that's what they publish how many do we not even fucking know about yeah people are totally personalizing it here's a few things that were very positive that i found so i have a lot of clients women kids and stuff and they're professionals and now they've been forced for, for these last few months to be at home with their kids, work from home, the lucky ones. And, you know, a lot of them have said to me things like, you know, Rosie, I always had this anxiety that if I was forced to be stuck with my kids, that I couldn't handle it and I totally lose it. And they're like, you know what? I'm killing it. It's fine. I feel great. And they're getting empowered. They have been robbed of the idea that they could educate that they could feed, that they could cook for their kids. And they're still running, like I'm thinking of a particular couple of them are like doctors or psychologists. And they can still run their practices and see people, but they're home with their kids and they're not totally overwhelmed, you know, which mm -hmm. is like empowering for those women in a lot of ways, right? I also find relationships are actually kind of getting pretty good. Like a bunch of my clients even today are saying to me, you know, Thought this quarantine was going to be the end of us is actually the greatest thing ever. And I think people are really tired. I think they started to get some rest. Obviously, if the relationship wasn't good, even with this Venus retrogrades and everything happening, it definitely is coming to an end. A lot of shifting. But I think that people are not as much in my clients, but the stories that I'm hearing from them from their surroundings, people are losing their ability to cope with life and their grip on reality. And I think that people are getting nastier and nastier. This is like the times from the Bible, like don't engage in this. It's like little black magicians. There's these energies everywhere feeding off this negativity. Mm -hmm. And I think people are getting like nastier and nastier. And it's not going to go back to its kumbaya anytime soon. That's for mm -hmm. sure. What you're describing seems to be kind of the underlying ripples that are going out into the collective or into our culture and society now through the whole thing with the coronavirus and, and now the, the social issues. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, is this all just this continuing unfolding of what Rod described with the cross of planning going away, moving into 2027, and we're just starting to see it like. Yeah, and not caring about the the tribe anymore, right? right? And the no meat thing. We're going towards all the synthetic, which I mean, plant-based diets are obviously fantastic, but I find it interesting that Ra would talk about how we were not going to be eating meat anymore and, and things like that. And now with the virus and everything, so many animals. First of all, can we just, this collective suffering, I mean, a huge amount of death just happened and loss, not just from the virus. They had to I mean, they euthanized millions and millions and millions of animals because of nobody, because of this sh shutdown, not to mention all the suicides. We have all this Mars stuff happening in the global chart, which is basically dredging up the collective unconsciousness. And yeah, I just don't think it's like a movie where we're all waking up from like a bad movie. I think people just didn't realize how bad it's always been. I mean, right. this is a human farm and the, the, farm, the fuel is fear. And so now people are waking up to how atrocious it was. But this one guy, Harald Kurzweiler, he's this cool like German sign. He said, it's almost like a movie just ended. And you know how when a movie ends and the credits are rolling, nobody gives a shit anymore. Everybody's yelling and shouting and blah, blah, blah. So like this uh, collective spell or demonic spell of the way that we've been a death, where we treat animals, the way we treat human beings, everything. 
it's kind of over now, but we're like in a daze, you know, we can't quite accept yet. Oh wait, like you were still walking out of the theater going, right. what just happened? But also everybody's screaming and shouting and like, it doesn't even matter anymore. The movie's over. Do you know what I mean? Like that whole thing of, yeah, there is no more planning. There is no more conclusions to draw. Like we're going towards individualization, whatever that means. And sometimes that individualization is people who are already living their entire life connected to a computer, connected to a video game, connected to a virtual reality. So, I mean, this has already happened for lots and lots of people, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it's going to go easy across the board. You know, there's a lot of people who are, who are digging in and like, you know, not accepting it. I've had a couple different conversations with people lately or seen them out online or somewhere where they were literally saying they're using like the terminology of like the collective and that things are becoming too individualized and we need to go back and we need to get back together. And you can like literally hear it in the conversations and the discussions that this is not going to be an easy transition for them. And, you know, I have to recognize that we, we've got three pure individuals here on this podcast today. Wow. And it's like, we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Individual. Yeah. Burn it down. <laughs> we, we, this is our life anyway. So, you know, know. what's new. Welcome but. to my world. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's true. And actually that's the same thing of Pisces going into Aquarius. I mean, Pisces was all about the community is also delusional. It's also codependent and confusing. And now we're going into Aquarius and Aquarius is not just, it's, it's not brotherhood. It's cold. I mean, has anybody ever dated an Aquarius? You know, it's, it's detached. I mean, even just the, <laughs> I know, right I, I said it. You know, it's detached. Even the, the in, incredibly sharp rise in homelessness that I saw over the past like 10, 15 years of traveling, um, especially in the, in the cities in America. But it's an overwhelming, we don't care anymore. And it's almost like it's so overwhelming that we can't. You have to be numb and blind to it in a certain way to protect your own sanity. But it is very cold. The age of Aquarius is technology. You know, remember Uranus was Kronos' father who eats his own children. And I'm like, what did you think you signed up for? Have you ever studied comparative religions? Because none of them say this is the good place. <laughs> you know, the Christians believe that the devil is the ruler of this world and has been cast down here. The Jews believe the Messiah hasn't even come back yet and things are going to get exponentially worse until he does. The Hindus believe we're in the Kali Yuga. Uh, the nine star key from Ishikushi, which is a great numerology system in Japan, believes that we're going into a great age of fire in 2032. Ding, ding, ding. You know, I just, that's why I'm like, even some of the stuff of um, Don Ruiz or the four agreements, one of the things he would say is, you know, you have to be vigilant and strong against the parasite that lives in your mind. Mm -hmm. and feeds off of fear and negativity. Mm -hmm. People don't realize what they're up against, actually. Mm -hmm. And yes, mm -hmm. it all seems very bleak and gloomy to all these kumbaya, tribal, la-la-la people, but guess what? You have to meet reality where reality's at. If there is a giant flood coming, you can stand there and say, this flood is not here, and get swept away and die. And guess what? You can do more work on the planet than dying and having to come back again. But people want to stand there and do that. Like, I'm acknowledging there's a flood coming, and I'm going up the fucking mountain. And I've been telling people that forever. And I have all the Scorpius. I'm all, you know, and it's like, oh, Rosie, you're so dark, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, maybe if you were a little darker and you were a little more astute, 
we wouldn't have all 80% of all the people I talked to have been sexually molested because their parents were living in a la la land and weren't really super aware. And those things can happen even when you are aware. But I think with good people, like we're oblivious to the fact that, that actually exists. We just had a kid here get snatched in Colorado. They're still looking for him just a few towns over, like a three-year-old boy from his front yard. People need to be aware that the flood is coming. And, and also too, I mean, this is why this, this will take care of the population agenda in a lot of ways too. Because the ones who want to go down kicking and screaming, the ones who want to poison themselves and consent mm-hmm. to whatever kind of poisons are going to be rolled down the line. That, I mean, it is, they, it is, it's a happening. I don't even think the population is at what they say it is anyway. There's a lot of things that say that it's actually less mm-hmm. and the fertility rates are plummeting in Western mm-hmm. countries. So your motivation is innocence, your view or your perspective looks like it's possibility. And so possibility is based on your seeing what you're here to see in the environment. So as you're, as you're looking at 2027, the changes that we're discussing, you're talking to so many people, what are the possibilities that you see that come up in terms of where this could go or what could happen? I mean, it's Gattaca. There is definitely some positives, but you know what the positives are going to come out of? Individualization and protecting your own ass and your family. Because right now, there's lots of people who are just accidentally happen to be in a city that just got looted and burned and rioted, even though they didn't want to have anything to do with that. And now their possibility is not very nice, is it? Because they were around the wrong tribe or the wrong collective. If people really want to protect themselves, they're going to need to put their own interests first. And they're going to need to go to places where there's not huge amounts of people because it's actually this collective is only going to get more and more out of control. I think we're going towards a possibility of more and more disconnection, coldness. Obviously, look, we just ostracized all the elderly and the sick, just like in a science fiction movie. Only the strong, the healthy, the wealthy, and the good looking. That's it. If you're sick at all, it used to be, oh, we have to Pisces. We need to take care of the sick. We have to take care of the elderly. Boom. One month. Shove them in a place where nobody can see them. Ostracize them. No, they can't even, they can't even be around the public because they're going to get everybody sick. That didn't take long, did it? So now all illness is, is ostracized or villainized, much like HIV and stuff, right? When that all came out, all of a sudden, everybody, my friends were talking about this. I'm not old enough, but they were saying like, it reminded them of the HIV scares and stuff because then all of a sudden, any kind, you know, if your immune system's low, which actually that's what that really is, is just an indicator of creating huge amounts of white blood cells. I think we're going towards the death pill. I mean, they've already offered it, right? They've already got it. You can take, are you a burden on society? You can just go and take this pill and relieve yourself. Whereas it used to be like, actually, you took care of your elders, you learned from them. It was actually a very healing, beautiful circle of life to take care of them because taking care of anything in a way is very healthy. We often take care of ourselves better when we take care of other things. Uh, but yeah, that's all done. So if people want to hold on to that and take care of their families and be in the tribal thing, obviously there's going to be holdouts and that is still going to be existing, but they're going to be need to be individualized about it even more as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point you make. One of the themes that Amy and I have been seeing that have been coming up in different circles and discussions is that there's kind of a movement, an increasing movement towards, say, your fractal family. You know, the fractal yeah. that's talked about in human design as people who are on your particular trajectory or path in life who you resonate yes. with. And we're, I think we're seeing this 
the old tribes, the old kind of family bonds, institutions, even corporations, because they're kind yeah. of like the modern tribes in a way, the cor yep. corporate environment, they're starting to break down. You know, you see people are kind of being distributed and, you know, we're working from home and all that, but that increasingly it seems that we're being drawn to the people that we truly resonate with, at least the people who are, who are relatively aware and in tune with whatever that is or themselves. And so, yeah, and that's very positive. And actually I'm really seeing that a lot. I'm seeing people find better friends, better living locations, lots of opportunities to relocate because lots of people were in cities because of jobs and now they don't have to be. Honestly, the best part is reality is unfolding into what it really is. It's just people who want to fight it. That's going to be when it's a problem. But I think you're totally right. Like, so here in Aspen, for example, obviously it's one of the wealthiest places in the world. And most of the time, most of the people who live here aren't here. You know, these are second and third homes. Aspen is <laughs> here than ever because all of the second and third homeowners fled the cities and came here. And it's all these people who already want to have a beautiful life and appreciate nature and these sorts of things, but obviously have big movies and corporations to run XYZ. Well, now they don't and they're here. And all of a sudden town feels like in a way, I mean, we're really lucky because the economy, it's an actual economy as opposed to the X games or a, we would have like the wine, you know, all these different things would bring in tens and tens and tens of thousands of people, a lot of damage on the environment. A lot of times, not that much money going back to the actual economy. And now it's people living here and, and my clients and friends, and they're not sending their kids to boarding school this winter. They are not going back to the cities this winter. They're staying here. And so the community I'm having clients meet people like romantically and you know, it's a small town and they'd be like, I know everybody here, burr, burr, burr. but no, you did not because a lot of these people mm -hmm. weren't here actually. And mm -hmm. now everybody's all together in this little pot of, you know, weirdoness. I mean, we're talking about a town where Hunter Thompson ran for sheriff. Like it's pretty much fantastic. Yeah. It's, I think that in, in all these positive ways, because people even are saying to me too in the readings, Rosie, you told me I was going to meet somebody and blah, 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 blah. But now with the quarantine, I'm like, dude, you're going to meet him because of the quarantine, because he's going to like, his shopping cart's going to run into your car. And normally you wouldn't have met him because he travels for work, but now he can't. Like people are so funny in the way that they, what do they say? Make God laugh, tell him your plans. Yeah. They think there's so much control over everything. Yes, I do find the fractal thing very, very important. And I use that word all the time. People are like, what's fractal? But then it makes perfect sense. Like you're real fractal. And you know what else I find speaking on the individual thing? That's one of the problems I have in relationships is when I go into relationship, even sometimes friendships, I, yeah, I, I'm such a weirdo and I don't like the fractal the other person brings in. You see what I mean? Their fractal is not my fractal. But now I'm so empowered in the way I am. I'm like, oh, hell no. That person is not invited to the party. You know what I mean? That is not happening. That is not my fractal. That's literally what I say. And I have no time or energy or patience to even indulge any kind of, you know, how many times do you hear, I just hate my partner's friends. And it causes problems, you know? Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm seeing this sort of empowerment and resonance that happens just individual to individual. Uh -huh. and, and how much Ra talked about that as well. But then also this thing about fractal and who you resonate with and why, like why at this time would we be more pushed toward that in some ways you could say, because the whole world's being pushed into crisis and survival and massive change. And so we're obviously reorienting, reorganizing, reprioritizing, like 
I don't know what the future looks like. Where the hell do I want to be today and tomorrow? Because I don't know how many, I don't, I don't know what a year or two That's is going to look like. I can't That's count it. on any of that. So I better figure out who, where I want to be, who I want to be with, what I want to be doing. But there's also something I think, I don't know how conscious this is, but unconsciously it feels to me like the resonance in the fractals that we're able to experience is probably one of the healthiest things when you're looking at talking about relationship and conditioning in terms of human design, in terms of the body. I mean, Rao has said like the people you have around you and the influences of those energies and whether or not they resonate with your physical form is probably the most impactful thing in your life. And can make or break you. And, can and that's why I like to shake. I could shake people. You wouldn't believe every bad story I ever hear is because they had a bad doctor, a bad lawyer, bad advice, a bad accountant. I have people who were swept up the college scandal and yes, they weren't yes. doing bribing, but their friends used that guy and they said, hey, you use him too. And, and they had no idea. Wrong fractal, and they didn't do any bribing. They still ended up in prison. Yeah. Okay. Right. So talk about the wrong fractal. Oh, let's go to the protest today and then your little friend takes you with your open G and then you get a rubber bullet in your eye and now you've lost your eye. I don't know if that was really the best use. Game mm -hmm. over. Try again. Mm -hmm. I mean, in some ways, the individuality you're talking about too, then that many of us are being pushed into like, no, we can't just count on the tribe anymore. No, we can't just go along with the crowd anymore. We actually need to be more alert than that more. We've got to turn inward, take care of this first or know what's right for us truly for our own bodies, for our own, the people closest to us. It's not just about being selfish or something. I think well, it's, it's okay. about survival. It's about awareness and it's about doing what you can with what you have and where you are. It has an enlightened selfishness. Hello. If you're dead, there's no more codependency and bullshit and blame. Don't worry. People are so ridiculous. They do ever, especially women, you know, women are programmed. Your entire self-esteem comes from how you take care of other people. And, and then at the end of the day, like you're saying, we have all these totally depleted women, their chi is gone. They're the free slave labor of the world in a certain way, expected to educate, do all this stuff. Like in certain countries, you know, you have kids, you should get a stipend for that. They're raising the next generation. There should be some funding allowed. It shouldn't be that it's this insane responsibility and depletion. And then you've got to make a living on top of it. It brings up your 27-1. We've talked about this before where... Yeah. The keynote of the 27-1, it's a gate in the sacral center, so it's potentially a generator gate. The keynote is selfishness, and it goes back to what you're saying is correct orientation for generators is let's focus on oneself first. And the 27-1 was really speaking that, saying, if I can take care of myself and use my energy correctly in a way that's good for me, there is a, a sense of real caring, gate 27, can be expressed. In other words, you're, you would naturally use your energy in a caring way if you were being selfish. One of the criticisms that I think the individuals get, or the, like we've been talking with the individual theme, is like, well, if we all move out of these tribes and collective, we go to, in this individual direction, it, everyone's going to be out for themselves and it's going to be terrible and no one's going to do anything for anyone. It's simply not yeah. true. I don't think it works that way. There is a movement towards the individual, but... I think that there will be a natural sense of goodness or caring or yeah. something that just comes as a result of someone being satisfied and you, living a meaningful life and wanting to then share that with others on some level. Yeah, I can't even believe it's a discussion. Hello. I mean, if the king and the queen 
were diddling around with every jerk off in the kingdom, they'd never be able to make bigger decisions for the entire kingdom. And then the entire kingdom is screwed. I, people are, you know, never underestimate people's self-destructive tendencies either. You know, these are patternings and programs and archetypes. People don't want to let go of their victimhood and their martyrdom. I do everything for everyone and I'm never taken care of. That's an identity that people attach to. But yes, so I have the 27-1 in my and I've been in a caretaking position for most of my life. My parents adopted me. They adopted three disabled kids after me. I'm a queen of clubs. I've always been of service in certain ways. And it was a very unhealthy way. So the queen of clubs is always like, it's all good. It's all good until it's not good. And everybody get the hell out. It's like, I had to learn boundaries. The only way that I can do what I do is because I have those boundaries. You know, I have friends trying to call me all the time over like, piddly little bullshit. And if it's self-inflicted, I don't have much sympathy. And it's like, no, I have a career and I'm successful because actually I don't sit around and listen to a bunch of people talking about shit that I don't care about. That doesn't matter because I just need to fill the time. That's why I can go and hold space for people and give readings. And that's why people who have practices and families and in the not self and don't have the design or something, you know, they're really good people who have a lot to offer. And like the Sigmund Freud's of the world, they can turn into complete monsters and manipulative and all these things and passive aggressive because their needs aren't getting met, but yet they're taking care of everybody else. And it becomes just one big old pot of misery. And I think that's probably why I'm successful too, is when I got to know my design, I'm like, yeah, I'm selfish and self-absorbed. I'm in my own little world. And then other people would always be like, Rosie, yeah, I want to, how can I be more like you or something like that? And it's like, yeah, you need to be self-absorbed if you want to go play an instrument. If you want to go learn a language, right. you need to be self-absorbed and spend time on yourself. You know, one of the greatest things, Doris Lessing, she had these lectures and, you know, she was huge. She was a king of hearts. She left her kids to be raised by her husband, only king of hearts will know that. And she was a huge leader in the communist movement, right? Then she got out of it and she had this great lecture series. And one of the most poignant things she said was, she was talking about how we are puppets for this collective shift in consciousness that happens. So how can the values of the collective be so shifted? So in the 1950s here in America, we had the McCarthy trials and somebody could accuse you of being a communist and they could absolutely ruin your career. They could bring you in front of a tribunal. They could actually throw you in jail over these collective, everybody's agreeing that this is what's going on. And a mere 10 to 15 years later, people are burning their draft cards, burning their bras and saying, screw you to the government. And in the 1960s or 70s, no kind of McCarthy thing would have ever worked because the collective perspective had shifted mm -hmm. in a mere 15 to 20 years. But for the poor individuals that were swept up in that shift and had their entire lives ruined because they happened to be around the wrong fractal of people accusing them of being communists because maybe they just didn't like them, that's ruined their entire life. And it's just like, I see that so much with people. Yeah, I'm like, wow, they've got you arguing over who's the better slave master over your dinner, guys. Amazing. The plan has really worked. Everybody gets the life they deserve. That's one of my favorite phrases. And if people choose willful ignorance, fine. <laughs> so that's what I see as the possibilities. Only the strong and the healthy will survive. It goes to show why money is more important than ever too. I had to say, mm -hmm. but like if you were just stuck somewhere in a fire looted city and you can't suddenly leave, once again, that's how you know we keep people repressed by keeping them poor because they don't have freedom of movement. Before we run out of time, I want to make sure we 
do talk a little bit about the Destiny card system. It has a really interesting past and history, and I know most of the people listening to the, the podcast are somewhat familiar with human design and astrology, but probably not Destiny cards. So could you tell us a little bit about what it is and and then how you work with it? Yeah, so I... I use the Destiny card system. It actually is the original use of the 52 card deck in the tarot. So the Destiny cards predate the tarot. It's always been a birthday calendar. And we can have a little infograph that you put up. But before Napoleon in France legalized the playing cards, they were always gypsy, Roman. They were illegal. And people wanted to gamble and stuff, but it was outlawed because it was always for divination and fortune telling. And Napoleon was obsessed with the system. He had a famous card reader named Mademoiselle Leonormand. She has the Leonormand method. You know, this is all historically accurate figures. And uh, she used to do all his readings for him. And so he had the brilliant idea to let the French people start to play games. And France, of course, they're so like naughty, right? The French were like, we'll legalize the cards. And that was the first place. It was very taboo. And all of a sudden he let the French people play pinochle, poker, whatever, inundates them into his society. And now... Think about how strong the archetypes of the playing cards are. They haven't changed in thousands of years. I have books from a thousand years ago from China that show the playing cards as a divination system. It's all over Egypt. And we're super addicted to gambling, Vegas, all these things. But actually the real meaning is kind of forgotten. So it's in the Bible. It's a little book of the seven thunders. I have a lot of articles on my website, uh, destinycardproducts.com about it. Robert Camp has amazing, you know, historical information about it. But basically, it is this birthday calendar. And like I said, when I moved to Kauai, I kind of came across it. And it totally resonated with my Western chart as well. So each day has a card. And so my birthday, April 22nd, is the Queen of Clubs. The year doesn't matter. The day before me is the King of Clubs. The day after me is the Jack of Clubs. It follows this beautiful mathematical rhythm. So then you can look at each year of your life and you have a numerological forecast for that. Every queen of clubs at five years old has the same numerology. How they choose to play it out is different. But this system is, I don't even know where it came from. I mean, it's incredible. Like I, there's this one book, The Mystic Tests Pack by Old Me Richmond. I have some stuff about him. And I think he was super high up military guy it's this book in the 1800s. It's so funny. He's like, I was very skeptical, blah, blah, blah. And he gets approached uh, by this group. They ask him to write the book to reintroduce. And he wrote this book in the 1800s. And then it started to become more familiar and popular with Arne Lean, who was Ronald Reagan's in-house advisor. I have his amazing book about it. And, and it was always kind of in the background and in the shadows, but it's an incredibly accurate astrological system. And it goes hand in hand with all these other systems that we use. And so Robert Camp and I um, produced a weekly reading kit where you can do your own weekly readings at home using an actual deck. And that's a nice way to kind of get acquainted with numerology, the archetypes of the planets. Uh, but yeah, it's fascinating. And this is the system that I work with. I use all the different systems together in the reading. I blend them. But this system is the one where, you know, I can look at the past and say, you know, three months ago, did you have an argumentative male come in your life that gave you legal problems, X, Y, Z? I mean, it's incredible in that way. And then you can see the future forecast, children moving, different stuff like that. So it really freaks me out because I've done so many thousands. And even, I mean, I don't know, I don't hold it in my head, but they, I, my inbox is full 
I mean, people would be like, Rosie, you told us we were going to sell our candy company. They have family forever. They had no intention of selling it. Somebody came along and offered them 10 times what it was worth, right? When, to the point that they couldn't even refuse it. And they're like, we can't believe it, but we retired early. I'm like, I know, I knew it. I told you something. I was like, you're not going to be running the company anymore because everything changes in the chart. So it's an incredibly accurate system and it's very mysterious. And it even has, you know, overall energies. When you see the visual, you'll notice that January 1st is the only day that's the king of spades. Spades only come in the beginning of the year. Most cards are, uh, most birthdays are diamonds and clubs, which would be Vata energy, clubs, intellectual energy, knowledge, and then diamonds, money, values, the material world. Hearts don't come until the very end of the year, which is emotional energy. I love looking at famous people. You know, I think it's a good teaching tool too, right? Because we can kind of see how their life played out in the human design too. There's, it's so fun to watch people's designs. But yeah, you, you could just go look up any of your favorite celebrities find out their destiny card. And it's, you know, Brad Pitt is a king of hearts. Angelina Jolie is a king of diamonds. And so is Robin Wright Penn and Sharon Stone. And Joni Mitchell was a king of clubs. Jackie Onassis was a king of hearts. All those women were beautiful and feminine, but they had that yang masculine energy about them. Hmm. So yeah, it's a really neat system. Other things in my astrology had shown me talents and things like that, or the human design, but He's very specific. He says very specific things about very specific times in your life. And what I like about it is you can literally read one page and it can blow you away. So it's a great way to introduce people into these systems without having to sit down and have a lengthy, you know, hour and a half session. I do a lot of astrology parties. So I will give mini readings, art galleries, openings, salons, bridal showers, weddings, and I found that that is facilitated because of the ease of the destiny card system. I couldn't give a five or 10 minute, you could do an intro to design, which is fun. But with this, I can literally give a five minute reading where I can tell them what's going to happen in the future. And I can tell them what happened in the past. So I think that is also part of the success is I've done so many huge group events where I did little introducing people who might not even be normally into it. And then they come back to me and become longtime clients too. This kind of goes back to what we were saying in, early on in the conversation about these systems, but in particular, the destiny card system. Do you see it as the conditions, the weather that we're in? Is that really what's going on when you can do so many readings and have that Must feedback be. or that result from your clients? Is it just saying it's because they're just being carried along in life by the conditions or the, or the sure. weather? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm reading it out of a book, right? I mean, especially if it's a person. They see it. It has nothing to do with me. And it literally says, things happened to this person at ages five and six that caused them to retreat from trusting other people completely. And I read that. I've read that five of clubs thing to thousands of people who are five of clubs. And every single time, something very bad happened to them at that age. And that's why what I do is so powerful because it's so poignant because of the truth in it. You know, if, you, if a psychic came to you and said, this happened to you at five years old, you'd be like, holy shit. Okay, what else can you tell me? Like that did happen. Right. I could have an off day. And it's not like I can't, the readings, maybe I'm not as charming and funny that day, but in general, it's not like I can't talk to the ancestors because I'm not in tune. It's mathematical patterns and it's just astonishing, John. I mean, you know, cause you've been into it a bit and as the design can be astonishing as well, but it gets a little weirder when it starts to be the future stuff. Yeah. yeah it's really predictive. It's just incredible. I mean, it's every single time. Again, go look up any of your favorite celebrities. It's Every single time. Hmm. The sexy nine clubs. 
born under the nine of spades death card. Usually uh, they are born into a war-torn situation. They're forced to take responsibility at an early age or have to caretake siblings or a parent or there's, you know, alcoholism involved because there's a lot of Neptune. And every single time they're like, yep, that's exactly what happened. And a gifted astrologer could go and look at a Western chart and see certain instincts or things mm -hmm. like that as well or moon square Mars or different things like that. But it's just so written out. Yeah. In sentences. Robert, I have a lot of different uh, books on the Justin Card systems, but his is the most succinct. I think it's, you know, he really, really just nails it. And he's also brutal. As you guys, you know, some of those things, I don't even want the people to read their page because yeah. I want to ease them into it. You know, sometimes <laughs> I'll bring the books to a party or something I'm like, oh yeah, check out your card. But like some of them, I'm like, no, I don't want to traumatize this person, you know? Mm-hmm. If people wanted to, to find you or connect with you and book a session, what do they do? Go to your website or? Yeah, my website's destinycardproducts.com. That's destinycardproducts.com. I spell my name two ways for my bipolar personality and my Gemini moon. Uh, Rosie Cutter, R-O-S-I-E and R-O-S-E-Y, just because somebody had already taken the other thing, so I just start spelling it both ways. So if you Google Rosie Cutter, my website will come up. I have post the funniest memes in the universe. So my Instagram is very funny. People often contact me through there or through Facebook. And then my phone number is listed on my social media too. So I don't mind. I usually don't like people calling because a lot of times I'm on sessions, uh, but people can contact me directly. I have prices listed on the site, but there is also a disclaimer. I'll work with anybody on any budget. So if it's that way too, contact me directly. Don't pay through the site. And yeah, I do workshops and normally I travel more and do workshops and different things in California, places like that. But yeah, mostly it's phone sessions and it's, I do 30, 60 or 90 minutes. Sometimes I do written reports for people or recorded ones. They're so busy mm -hmm. and yeah, a lot of family stuff. It can be really nice to see your kids' cards, just like the kids' designs and mm -hmm. I do parties. Well, it's been so fun talking to you, Rosie. Yay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your unique frequency and how you see things and how you work with things. And I think people are really lucky to have you as a resource. Oh, thank you guys so Thanks much for being with us. Thank you. And I love what you guys are doing. It's been great. So yeah. thanks very much. And maybe we can do a, another one in the future. Yeah. Let's see how crazy things are in about three months. <laughs> <laughs> see what the world, what else the world gives us to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be endless. We can pontificate forever. I'm personally going to fiddle while Rome burns here in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel.